In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and beginning with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello and welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast where we put issues on the table in the light of faith and discuss them from a number of perspectives, all with the goal of, uh, as we're all in this valley of tears together, trying to navigate our lives in the light of faith. I'm Stacy Trisangos, the director of the St. Philip Institute, and I'm here with His Excellency Bishop Joseph Strickland, the founder of the St. Philip Institute. And we're going to talk about um, infancy loss and miscarriage today. We have a, a memorial mass, a remembrance mass coming up in our diocese this week. And we thought it would be a good time to sort of have two different views of this issue, mine as a mother and Bishop Strickland's um, very pastoral, kind, loving guidance for those parents out there who are facing infant loss. Thank you, Dr. Stacy. Um, I think it is important because it's a situation that many families go through. Mm -hmm. My family went through it. Your family went mm -hmm. through the loss of a child after conception, but before birth, um, through simply the natural realities that sometimes a, a pregnancy doesn't go to full term. Um, and that's a, a sad burden that uh, a mother and a father uh, have to deal with. Just what comes to mind as we begin the conversation, just pastorally, and that's the only expertise I have, is to try to be a pastor of Jesus Christ to God's people. Um, fairly recently, I was at a Mass at the cathedral and offered a blessing for the women that were pregnant. They mm -hmm. were just a number. Yeah, and, and having three sisters, I've always been very yeah. cautious about presuming <laughs> that a woman was expecting. Yes. Um, but these women were obviously with child and blessed with that new life that was growing in them. And so I offered a blessing. And it was just mentioned to me after the Mass. Um, and I really appreciated the the person that, that shared with me that a number of women they noticed were in tears yeah. as I offered that blessing because they had just experienced or maybe it just called mm -hmm. to mind a miscarriage that they had had participated in or had, had experienced. And, um, you know, as a man, I, I think it's important for me to acknowledge I can't fully understand mm -hmm. what a woman goes through. Just as we were talking, you can't understand exactly what another woman experiences. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. your own experience. And, and I think that out of respect and compassion, I think that's important that we acknowledge that it is a difficult experience mm -hmm. and to kind of hold these parents, especially the mother, but also the father, in, in great compassion and care mm -hmm. in those circumstances. 
Yeah, and I mean, and I was there at that mass with my family when you did that, and and uh, even my daughters looked over and smiled at me because they were so touched by that blessing for pregnant women. Um, we, you know, we're we're talking to parents out there and anyone who's gone through this before or may, maybe hasn't gone through it yet and may go through it in the future. It happens a lot, um, infancy loss, stillbirth, and, and even miscarriage. You know, I remember, so I'm a chemist and a convert, but I remember hearing a statistic from pro-choice people telling me that most pregnancies end before birth naturally, that um, a lot of women miscarry and never know they were pregnant. A lot of women miscarry in the first trimester or the first few weeks, even, and doctors call it a chemical pregnancy, meaning it just never took. Um, and I look, actually looked that number up, and it, th- there are studies that show where they measured the hormones in women. And they, they measured the hormones, determined the women were, in fact, pregnant, but then kept measuring the hormones as they declined and the women miscarried. And they did in that story, it was, that study, it was about 360 women, I believe, 68 women, that it did show 50 to 70% of those women who became pregnant miscarried. Mm-hmm. So there is some validity to the idea that most pregnancies ended in miscarriage. And I didn't really believe that until... I got into my 40s and started experiencing miscarriages. We've had five in our family. Um, I became, I had two children, became Catholic, had five children, had four daughters in rapid succession, the four that are teenagers now, and then had two miscarriages that were very unexpected. And then we had a son, and my youngest child now that that's living, and then. I had three more miscarriages, and it was those last three that really just punch, punch, punch. It just almost despair. So I know what it's like to go through that, and you go in search of church teaching for some guidance on this because in those days I remember there were some people who came to me and and told me about limbo, and I thought it was not a thing anymore. But I remember being confronted with the idea of limbo, and it was so scary. It was like, I remember the visual I got, it, it was like thinking about limbo, the fact that the, it's a medieval teaching that the child doesn't go to hell, but the unbaptized child goes to some place that's not quite the beatific vision. It's, a, it's another place. But I remember panicking because if, I'm, if I have a baby in my womb, and it's probably going to miscarry because I've already got the signs of that. It, the sheer panic of realizing that as hard as I try to get to heaven and get the rest of the family to heaven, that child was never going to be with us in heaven. Just the thought of that scared me to death. It was like if I had a baby that could crawl, crawling towards a cliff, and somebody's holding me back, because that's what mis- miscarriage feels like, you're powerless, that the baby's ca- crawling towards a cliff and about to fall to its peril, and, and somebody's holding me back and won't let me do anything to save it. That's how badly I wanted to baptize those children. And it really shook me up. So you know, we, we wanted to address limbo today, but move past it pretty quickly, because the church has not said definitively there is limbo. It said something much better. Yeah, the, the, the present catechism, which is a culmination of the deposit of faith over 2,000 years, yeah. uh, just published just uh, late 
in the 20th century in the 1990s. But the Catechism acknowledges that limbo was a, a way of understanding mm-hmm. when, and I think we have to, as you mentioned, medieval, we have to understand that even scientifically there was much less understanding yeah. of what biologically happens when a child is conceived in a woman's womb and all of the, the intricate processes that begin to unfold as that child grows, um, there was much less understanding. And Mm -hmm. so um, the church tried to give an answer where I think in the 20th century and now the 21st century, we acknowledge we simply really don't have an answer. But we do have what God has revealed to us, and we hear it constantly in the scriptures, the mercy of God, Mm -hmm. that God is love, that God is the Lord of life, that God is merciful. Um, And so for any mother or father that has experienced this, maybe recently or maybe in in their past, uh, the loss of a child before this child could be born and viable and Mm -hmm. grow and develop as is is God's plan for us, uh, I think the main thing that the church would call us to is is to trust in God's mercy. God is the Lord of life. That life, however long it lasted, came from God. Mm -hmm. And to to put it back into that context, certainly there was no choice on anyone's part Mm -hmm. that this life wouldn't continue. It's just part of, as you've indicated, fairly often Mm -hmm. part of the natural process. And I think that because we do have a scientific understanding, I love science. You're a scientist. Uh, you know a lot more than I do, but I just mm-hmm. naturally like the the, the beauty and the concepts. Yeah. But if you if you study all the intricate processes that just have to be timed perfectly, which mm-hmm. we're here because mm-hmm. they were they we're are. we're not perfect and but, still are. <laughs> but the the timing of those processes for the for the the child to develop and to to reach this stage and then the next stage and this organ develops and and all of that it's amazing how often it happens perfectly Mm -hmm. and a beautiful child is born as your seven children Mm -hmm. were brought into this world certainly the loss of those that Mm -hmm. didn't make that journey successfully is painful but to remember that god is the lord of life and the lord of mercy and when those circumstances happen uh, where the pregnancy doesn't end in a live birth of a mm-hmm. healthy child. We, we trust that God's mercy is yes. there in a very special way, I think, for that mother and father mm-hmm. and for the child. And that, that was one of the most beautiful things. I mean, I, I, I came to this issue as a chemist very, very much aware of what has to happen even for a child to be born. And, and even it made me that much more aware of what has to happen for my living children's hearts to go on beating. You know, there's so much that has to happen for each of us just to take the next breath. And it, you know, those miscarriages, because they're, they're, they're behind me now. I've had time to get used to the idea, which is why we wanted to talk to parents today. The pain never really goes away. But here's what's so beautiful about what the church teaches is the church in in that 2007 document, I had it on my computer, but it went blank and I don't want to fool with it. But um, it it was a 2007 document from the Theological Commission about the fate of unbaptized infants who, who who die before birth. 
or anyone who dies without baptism. It was addressing limbo. That document was so beautiful because it didn't say, Stacy, you can check the box and say all your babies are in heaven, which I was kind of bummed about. But it didn't say you don't have to despair because your babies are in some other place at limbo or hell that you're never going to be reunited with them. It didn't say either one. What it said is, Stacy, those, this is me interpreting it, obviously, but Stacy, those children are always your children. And you are always, from the minute those children were conceived, you became their mother everlastingly. You are always going to be their mother. They're always going to be your children. And look, just like with all your other children that you're raising, God entrusted these children to you to pray for them. And so I started doing that. I started praying for all my children, and I included the miscarried ones as well. And it took me a long time because then they started getting married, my older ones, and then I had grandchildren come along, and I have godchildren. So it takes me a long time to pray for all my children now. But I never—the church said you have to entrust them to the mercy of God. And how do you show your desire for baptism the most? To me, it said, you pray for them every day. I pray for their salvation every day. And that meant what it turned into now, 10 years later. It means I have a relationship with those children. I didn't get to just forget about them. I didn't get to check them off as a chemical pregnancy like the doctors tried to tell me to. You know, oh, it was just a chemical pregnancy. It wasn't really a pregnancy. I knew better, and and I corrected the doctors. But the church told me to have to have a relationship with these children. They're part of our family forever. And I remember in that document it said, we are a people of hope. And that's hope right there. Pray. Absolutely. And I, I would just emphasize again that life is, is of God. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking, what a gift to, I mean, certainly there's a sadness, and it's mm-hmm. not the, the, what we would consider the natural journey of life, mm-hmm. birth, and then growing up and um, experiencing all of life. But to remember that every life is a gift and that God is the Lord of life mm-hmm. uh, to it almost reminds me that we are children of God, no matter how old and how mature we may feel, we are children of God. And in comparison to God's wondrous knowledge of everything, we we know so little, really. As much as we understand and as much as we can control and even manipulate our world these days, I think it's a great reminder that life is a mystery. Mm -hmm. Life is full of mystery. Life is a gift from God, and it's always to be held precious. I think that's one of the the main things that I think that this conversation, Mm -hmm. I hope, can can really honor those mothers listening, those fathers listening that have mourned the loss of a a miscarried child or a child that died at birth, which is, is very difficult because... You see the child then, but then maybe they're stillborn. Um, but to really be with those individuals, mothers and fathers that have lost children in this way, and to recognize that, as you're saying, that another life through the love of that man and woman in marriage, um, that another life God offered uh through their love mm-hmm. and to to understand that in the mystery of life that's a blessing mm-hmm. life is always a blessing and uh 
especially with all the challenges of unborn life in our mm-hmm. society today and so easily disposed of, I, I know it must be very difficult for women that have gone through that experience maybe recently of a miscarriage, mm-hmm. of a loss of a child, and then to hear about the, you know, the, the push for abortion yeah. and all of that. It's got to be very, very difficult to, to deal with all of that. And I think the main thing that I would hope that we can emphasize this through this podcast is to appreciate life, to appreciate God's mercy, and to be there in compassion for those emotionally dealing with a, a very mm-hmm. difficult loss and to help them work through that, mm-hmm. still rejoicing in life. Um, it sounds like that's where you've come in, and, mm-hmm. and you mentioned 10 years. I mean, that's a lot of time to process yes. and a lot of time. And your other children, I'm sure, help to, to heal some of those mm-hmm. wounds, but to to really be able to to celebrate the gift of life for however long mm-hmm. it was given to, to really celebrate that and to be there in compassion for those who were necessarily, I mean, very understandably going through a lot of pain yeah. and a lot of question, a lot probably of guilt of, uh, I know in, in talking to women that have experienced this, um, and even sometimes the dads can say, what did we not do? What mm-hmm. did we do wrong? And to, to really compassionately embrace those who may be having those kinds of thoughts, not to blame yourself, yeah. not to beat yourself up because this natural process didn't, didn't proceed happen. as is God's plan for when it does proceed. It's beautiful. But um, to really be there in compassion and trust in the mercy of God. I, I just keep repeating that because mm-hmm. I think that's what people really need in these circumstances in a very yeah. significant way. Yeah, and this document in the church from 2007, it, it deals with the fate of our youngest children among us. You know, it's dealing with the fate of miscarried children, but, but it quickly puts it back into the context of the fate of all men. That and and that that is in reflecting on this, I, I really encourage people to go and read this document if you search it on the internet from 2007 from the Theological Commission. It really it, it it makes you step back. So yes, there is a pain when you lose a child to miscarriage. There's a helplessness. I mean, I remember. That, I mean, it may sound kind of funny or weird, but I stood on my head to try to keep from losing the child, you know, like if only you could do something, anything, I would do it. I would stand on my head for nine months. And, you know, there's, there's a, there was an anger too. There was a desperation. There was an anger because I said, God, you said, you asked me to be open to life and you're giving me death because I had five born children, five miscarried children. And like, I, I don't understand this. That again is, the beauty of the teachings of the church. It's kind of like for me, chemistry, some things I didn't understand about chemistry until I went into the lab, put my hands on the stuff and worked with it. The teachings of the church, there were a lot of times I had to accept things that I didn't quite understand, but I only came to understand when I started living that life. And what I learned about about the dignity of human life at all ages from conception to natural death even if natural death is three weeks after conception what i learned about that is 
that that we do have to take every day as a gift, that we do have to look at the people that are in front of us and realize that all the kids, the feeling of miscarrying wasn't so different than the feeling of my older children growing up and leaving home and living their own lives. It was like I had to let them go. And I wanted to hold on to them, but you can't. God entrusts them to you for whatever time, and then you have to let them go. But thinking about it in the context of the fate of all men, that's really what we do as Christians. We desire baptism for everyone. And if we could just pray everyone into heaven, I think there's a lot of people out there who would do just that, you know. And this document mentions that 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 there is evidence in the Bible that sometimes you can pray for someone else's salvation so much that it happens. And it, and it cites Mark 2, 5, where the paralytic is, is lifted down from the ceiling, and it says his friends were praying for him, and Christ looked at him and, and said, you're saved. And so it, the, the church calls on that scripture. The church points out tradition that there are liturgical rites for miscarried children. So there's there's reason to believe that the desire for baptism indeed binds your children to heaven. But I think we can look at that out to the rest of humanity too. Um, when I was in pain about those children, I was remembering to pray for my other children. I was remembering to pray for all the aborted children who maybe didn't have anybody to pray for them. Mm-hmm. And remembering to pray for everybody, as my daughter once put it, can we just stop listing people and just say we're going to pray for everybody's everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and and we st- we did. <laughs> so. yeah. And I think you bring up the, certainly the the most important point from from a faith perspective is what happens to that supernatural life, what mm-hmm. happens to the life of grace, what mm-hmm. happens to what baptism brings us, and. And I, I guess what I would encourage is for any mother or father or, or grandparents or anyone who has been uh, felt the burden and this loss that we're talking about to, to be very clear that God has given us free will. That's part of what being created in the image of likeness of God. That's a, an essential element. That's what makes us human. That's what makes us children of God. If this the 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 lack of baptism mm-hmm. had nothing to do with a free choice of anyone right then we rely on the mercy of god um that is the default answer but i think it really is a profound truth it's not just a sort of throwaway right. answer but it really gets down to we don't have all the answers mm-hmm. but i would emphasize that if if you would have chosen to baptize this child, if you possibly could have, then offer that in prayer mm-hmm. um, and trust that God, all things are possible with God. And the great mystery of life and the mystery of God's love is, is what we're sort of bumping up against with what we're talking mm-hmm. about. I would just encourage that anyone listening or anyone that you may talk to that you could help with this conversation to recognize that certainly if we have the opportunity we should choose baptism Mm -hmm. that saving grace that is offered it opens that salvation that christ won for us through his life death and resurrection through baptism we share in the sacrifice of christ that brings us to resurrection Um, but if you have not had the opportunity to choose baptism then Pay attention to that and trust that God's mercy is there for any parent, mother or father, who 
would have chosen baptism like you're talking about, Mm -hmm. but simply never had that opportunity. And to continue to pray um, that God's mercy is showered upon this life Mm -hmm. that didn't last very long, but was still Mm -hmm. a life unique and precious before God. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well, thank you for your words, Bishop, because I, I know there this is one of the most painful things. Out, I mean, miscarriage, even people say don't use that word because it makes it sound like the woman did something wrong. It, it, it's a very and in stillbirth, too, it's a very helpless thing. I mean, any kind of infant loss or child loss, it, it's it's helpless. And it's hard, it's hard for people to talk about, which is why it's really it's a wonderful thing that the diocese is having a remembrance mass where we do take time to remember these children. Um, because it, it is, uh, I, can, I can just, if there's any other couples that have felt this, I remember even telling my husband, like, I'm sorry, but you just can't understand what I'm going through. And it was hard on him. I mean, I look back and, and we've talked about it. His despair wasn't so much that he lost a child because he didn't have it. It just wasn't as tangible, you know. It wasn't in his body. He didn't feel the hormones. There's something happens to you when those hormones start going. Like you know, there's life there. You you just know it, and and you can. And I, the church taught me so well about NFP. I could actually feel when the life started to go. I knew it was happening, mm. and it's a very lonely loss because no one can understand that's probably true of any loss though no one can understand and I remember being kind of mad because I was like if we lost five two-year-old children everybody would show up at our door with food and flowers and sympathy but you lose five miscarried children it's just kind of like there you're very alone and um if y'all if if you're watching this and you're feeling that I think it's normal I think it's just normal for you to go through. There are funeral rites in the church, um, but most of it's going to happen between you and God and accepting that every human life from the very big moment that it begins to exist is cherished by God. And um, so you're not alone. Um, We have a lot of people praying in the church and maybe take the opportunity to ask what more God can teach you in the doctrines of the church because there's always a bigger view to take um, in any painful situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. Um, Remind everybody to check out our website, stphilipinstitute.org, and look at all of our faith formation materials. Uh, faith formation online that's going on now uh, it's been it's in the fifth week um, and our family life events we have marriage retreats for engaged couples and married couples and lots of resources to accompany every Christian from the beginning to the end of life Bishop could you please give us a blessing sure the Lord be with you and with your spirit Almighty God, we ask your blessing for everyone listening, everyone participating in this podcast, that we might celebrate the mystery of life that you bring us, the wonder of your love, the power of your mercy that we all depend on so much. Help us to be reminded that life is a great mystery that is beyond our full understanding, but you have revealed to us the precious gift that every life is from conception to natural death. We pray especially for those who may be 
very recently feeling the pain of loss of a loved one in whatever part of life from conception to natural death, that they may be consoled in the wonder of your mercy and strengthened in the grace that is offered to us through your Son, that the Blessed Virgin Mary, our loving mother, may intercede in a very special way for all those who are burdened with loss at this time and asking questions and wondering that they may know and trust that God's wondrous love is with them and that his mercy is abundant and that it flows from the sacred heart of his Son. And we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.